Do you know what it was? It was a. I'll explain what it happened. It a great, great, great comment. So what happened was, they said I had a seventy to thirty against living. So 70% I was going to die, 30% I was going to live. So I'm lying there and I'm thinking, I'm looking at the ceiling and it's a horrible, I'm like, is this the last, last thing I'm going to look at? This horrible ceiling? And then I started crying and I, I was lying there, I couldn't stop crying. And the reason I was crying is because I wasn't dying. It, it wasn't because I was dying, it was because I was alone, right? There was nobody there nobody there for me and I'd made a decision that no matter what happens I was going to be with my family and that was the wake-up call I needed and then the next couple of days I really wrote down all my values mm -hmm. okay and that, to come to you my holiday my reborn rebirth whatever started that moment when I wrote my values now I realized I was working with people I didn't enjoy working with I had staff that I didn't enjoy having in my company. I had friends who didn't have the same values. Mm -hmm. I had surrounded myself with lots of things that weren't coherent with my values. This is a Tribe to Succeed podcast where we feature inspiring entrepreneurs, thought leaders, influencers, and seasoned professionals to help you jumpstart your career in your entrepreneurial journey. Welcome to the Drive to Succeed podcast. My name is Daniel, the host of this show, if it's your first time tuning in today, thank you so much. I really appreciate you because I know there's a ton of other podcasts out there, but you decided to be here instead. Let me ask you a question. How would you feel if one day you get everything you wanted in life, but suddenly strip away from you from a single defining moment? Today's episode, I had the opportunity to sit down with an Iranian-born businessman whose passion is to see other people succeed by imparting his business and life philosophy. Discover how he met Muhammad Ali, the legendary boxer, and how that single encounter changed his life forever. And most importantly, get to know how he helps kids get through school with his charity and why becoming a father has helped him make wiser decisions in business and in life. So without further ado, let's welcome the one and only Darius Sudi. Welcome back to the Drive to Succeed podcast. We have a very special guest today. He is the owner of Be Unique Group, who has an office in Dubai for the past uh, 10 years. I believe it opened 2009. Yes. And he is an individual who will have a big heart in training people and serving companies. For our first time listeners who doesn't still know our guest, who is Darius Sudi. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you for inviting me to my offices. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, what would you like to know? What would, where, where, where do I start? I, I'm 53 years old, so it's a long, long story. Where would you like me to? coming at. Uh, so basically, who is Darius Sodi as an individual? Um, What's your background? My background, I'm not, I'm actually writing a book and the book uh, is titled uh, Monkey Business. Mm -hmm. Basically, the reason it's so monkey business is because I wasn't born with any talent. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm not a fast runner, I'm not the strongest guy, I'm just an average guy. But somewhere along the way, I was born in Iran in 1966. Somewhere along the way, 
circumstances in my life shape me to think the way I do. Um, so where I think I feel I am different is that I'm always aspiring to do better and more with urgency. Mm-hmm. Because uh, age four, I lost my father. Age eight, I lost my grandfather. These are the people who always took care of me. Mm-hmm. And so I've seen lots of deaths in my family. And one thing I noticed that most people that I know live life like it's forever. One thing I'm aware of the inevitability of life ending. So I never ever waste time. I'm always trying to accomplish something, even if it's enjoyment. So a little bit about me is just people will tell you that I live life with passion. Uh, I don't waste time. I, uh, I have abundance of love to give without feeling totally stupid. You know, like sometimes you give love, you get walked all over. Sometimes I have, but I don't, I don't give up in humanity. So um, at the same time, we live in a world where air isn't free anymore. You know, water, drinking, food, it's not, you have to work. And I've always wanted to fly first class. I always wanted to have a Ferrari. I always wanted that. And I didn't think, despite my family being from a poor background, mm-hmm. I always thought it was achievable. Mm-hmm. So I didn't listen to the noise of, you know, become a store manager or get a job in a bank. And mm-hmm. So I always wanted to be wealthy. Mm. Um, and being dyslexic, I never did well at education. I worked my ass off, but I never ever was top graded kid. Mm-hmm. So the moment co- uh, school finished, I left to go into sales. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing I knew that was, was going to earn me enough money to pay for the livelihood that I wanted. Understood. So in your, during your early childhood, you already knew that you wanted to be wealthy someday. And is there a reason why this some sort of mindset, mm, you know, developed? Good um, I think my mom, when she became a widow, she was 23. Mm-hmm. You know, and my sister was 30 days old. Mm-hmm. But thanks to her, um, she always made me feel rich. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Although looking back now, there was nine of us in a studio apartment. Mm-hmm. This is know, in UK? In Iran. Oh, Iran. In okay. Iran. I left when I was 12. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, she made me always feel rich, but we weren't. You know, like I got, because I was good at music, I got a scholarship, mm-hmm. age eight, to learn to play piano, mm-hmm. which is very rare in Iran. They took, they took put, put me through tests, and they got a letter saying, congratulations, your son's got a scholarship to, for, to be a piano player. And then they found out that we couldn't afford a piano. Yeah. And then I had to deal with the rejection of being kicked out of the school. Mm-hmm because we couldn't afford a piano. And I remember crying for days on end saying, can we just buy one piano? And they couldn't. So I didn't go towards music solely because we didn't have the money. So I always thought, you know, why can't I have that money? What, what is it that this guy has or they have? And people will say, oh, money doesn't grow on trees or money's the root of all evil. I just didn't believe it. Mm-hmm. You know, so I didn't accept those comments. Um, so I think my mom's one, there's two things actually. My mom, always said I wasn't good enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Although she made me feel rich, the next door neighbor was better than us, that friend was better than us. She always made me feel I wasn't good enough. And for, for many, many years, until only a few years ago, I resented her for it. Mm. Because of the beliefs that has imparted. Yeah, you. that I'm not good enough. And you know, I, I had issues with insecurities and everything. And then going through a training course, I remember it was in Tenerife, 
and I always, because I lost my dad, I always thought maybe he, his DNA was the positive one, the motivated one, the driving force. Mm-hmm. So I always thought, you know, how do we grow up? Do we have people's DNAs? Like we have their looks or their faces or whatever. Maybe something in our mind is their DNA. And then I actually realized uh, because my mom was opposite, negative and pessimistic, because life was hard for her. So she was always be careful, because mm-hmm. you never know you could lose this, because that's what happened to her, right? So then I realized, it was like a eureka moment, that it's actually my mom was my inspiration, because I always wanted to prove her wrong. Does that make sense? Yes. It wasn't like I accepted her, I was actually saying, no mom, you're wrong, and I'm gonna show you that I am good enough, that I am worthy, yes? and. Not everybody's better than me. Understood. And uh, you mentioned you have nine siblings. Is that correct? No, there were cousins. Uh, there were cousins and uncles and grandma mm. and granddad at that time. No, I have one sister. She's uh, one. She's four years younger than me. Lives in London. Understood. But um, no, it was just a, a very young family because my mom was twenty-three mm-hmm. when my father died, and I think her siblings were twenty-four, twenty-five. They're all young. I don't. Yes. You know, my uncles and aunts are very young. Understood. And then you mentioned earlier that you went into field of sales, and that's where your career really started. Sure. Sure. Um, and also during off camera, you mentioned about your business, went how you went to Dubai. Um, so just to make it, you know, uh, relevant for our audience as well, can you tell us a little bit about that story? Because I know, you know, some people still doesn't know the real diaries. Sure. Sure. Um, should I, should I go? You you mentioned the Iran bit because yes. there was a big, huge thirty-year gap yes, in the yes, UK. Yes. What, what would you like me to come in? The the, the unique group that's only ten years old, or would you like me to go back a little bit? More? Uh, let's let's go back on where you you had a business before unique group. Okay, it's a little bit long, but take five minutes to tell you. Is that sure. okay with you? Yeah, it's okay. Right, so we have the time. <laughs> great, great, great. Um, when I left school, I was I didn't even know how to hold a conversation because. If you imagine, I'm, I've been brought out around a bunch of uh, women, really, who didn't work. Mm-hmm. My mom was young; she was still a student when, I, you know, when she was widowed. And I was brought out by my grandma and my aunt, so I didn't know. I, I went to my mom once and I said, "How do you get a job?" Mm-hmm. She goes, "I don't know." You know, that was my career advice. So then I went from Iran to England, age twelve, and for th- four years I was continuously bullied. Because mm. I didn't, sp- I was the only colored child at school. My teachers used to call me black cherry. <laughs> My teachers were racist, right? So it, it was, and then I learned martial arts mm. because I said that's the only way I can protect myself, right? So anybody bullied me, I'll kick their faces in, you know. And I, and it didn't really resolve anything, but it made me confident that I could protect myself. So when school finished, I went straight to um, sales, but I was really crap at it. Mm. Okay. I got fired so many jobs that I can't even remember. And what is your first sales job then? I can't remember. No, I'm not <laughs> uh, I was selling, um, I pretty much sold anything and everything. I think I was selling vacuum cleaners. Is it a door to door time? Yeah, Kirby vacuum cleaners. Mm. And what happened was, and I'll explain to you why I was successful. Yes. I remember coming in eight in the morning and I had a rara session somebody played the drums have you, you you're nodding have you ever sold Kirby vacuum cleaners oh, no, but, no, but you know of it right uh, and then you had a rara session and then you get in the car of the sales manager and he'll dump you mm-hmm. at a uh, and at an area where people lived and at that week i joined the company changed its policy mm-hmm. because they used to sell these like maybe a thousand dollar vacuum thousand dollar vacuum cleaners 
30 odd years ago mm-hmm. to rich so the moment I started they decided they were going to sell to the poor mm. I'm like oh come on how can I be wealthy come on <laughs> come on please these thousand dollars so they said no what we're going to do we're going to get this poor and we're going to sell them finance mm. so I was going to say thousand dollar vacuum cleaners on finance to poor people so I did okay and I'll explain to you why I didn't you know you 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 Gave them all, they knock on the door, they open up, say, hey, congratulations, you want a prize. If we can do a presentation to you tomorrow night, we can give you a prize, a holiday, or whatever it was. And they'll come and say yes. But for about a month, I had prostitutes open the door on me, I had pimps open the door on me, I had drug dealers chasing me down the street. It was awful. And, but it was the 80s. Mm-hmm. So if you recall, I don't know if you remember the 80s, they see the videos of the 80s when they had this shoulder pads yeah. I had this purple suit with the shoulder pads <laughs> I had hair with glasses uh-huh. and I swear to you Daniel I used to get deals because it always rained in England always mm-hmm. in Manchester it was always all I remember is cold rainy yes, days uh, I worked my ass off okay well all my colleagues were skiving mm-hmm. I didn't have a life mm-hmm. right so in that suit with these shoulder pads raining hanging rain dropping out my I'll knock on doors and people were sorry for me they felt sorry for me and they let me in. So I realized, although I didn't have the skills, okay, I had the drive. So every time it rained, when my colleagues went home, I went out selling. Yeah. Okay. So people were actually... Feeling so they, I used it as a, a leverage to actually open doors for me. So one thing I learned that... But no have you ever thought that, oh, we're going to start raining, I should like put on my, you know, my clothes and all no, that? No, I went in looking terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I, w- I put my clothes that actually hung and they were not waterproof mm-hmm. and I realized that people feeling sorry for me mm-hmm. you know my glasses I couldn't see there was so much water and I had hair at the time yeah. and and people felt it got me through the door mm-hmm. so I used that as a, a, a part of my selling skill <laughs> so when it rained I went out yeah when all my salespeople were out I was in mm. okay I was prospecting so interesting yeah, and it was quite good because it rained 320 days a year. So most of the days I was out. So one thing I realized that uh, no matter how good or crap you are in sales, if you knock on enough doors, somebody will buy from you. Um, now, I know your business, unique, Be Unique Group, is more on online, but I know that sales can be transferred uh, through online mm-hmm. as well. It's just that it's a different media and different format. Um, but earlier you mentioned as well that you had a 600 stuff in your business. Yeah. Yeah. Can you tell us more about that, how sure. it came to that? And, sure. you know. What happened was, um, I was always, um, I made more mistakes than successes in my life. I was a successful computer salesman and um, I met this really hot chick in a bar and um, she just happened to be my first wife. Mm. So um, I chatted up in a bar, she could take me home and on the way home, uh, I got to know that she owned the beauty salon. We ended up dating quite seriously um, and then I went to see her beauty salon. She goes, oh, actually, next weekend I've got an exhibition that I'm going to look at some products to buy. Yeah. So would you like to come with me? I said, sure, I've got nothing to do. It's a weekend. I'll spend some time with you. So we went to this exhibition and there was people sitting there, imagine 30 years ago, with these products sitting on a tablecloth. Uh-huh. And I'll go and say, hi, what's your unique selling proposition? They go, what? Why is what, that? What's that? <laughs> yeah, I was like, because well, the box looks really pretty. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm like, that's not good enough. What's in it? It's, it's, you know, it's moisturizer. I'm like, no, what's in it? They didn't even know. Yeah. So those days, people were selling a beauty product depending on how the boxes and the packaging looked. And I was like, I like this market because they, they, they need this change, right? 
So I, I said to my um, wife at the time, I said, listen, what I like to do is get into this market. Mm -hmm. The margins were amazing because if you're in computers or phones, you're only playing this kind of margin. But if you're in a services industry, you can charge huge amounts of money depending on the service you give. So since that day, I've never really got into products. Mm. I've always been in services. So I said to her, I think I can have an impact in this industry. She goes, why don't you have a look at it? Now, at that time in the UK, there was only small businesses above post office, a beauty salon, a couple mm -hmm. of rooms. And mm -hmm. she had a three-room beauty salon above a post office. And she'd been there like five years, doing extremely well, mm -hmm. more than better than I was. Yeah. So I thought, what if she could scale up, right? And at that time, out-of-town clubs were becoming very popular where they had tennis courts, badminton courts, and stuff like this. So there was one opening near our town, and I just went and bid for it. I said, I'd like to open up the spa within this club. Mm. And they, they gave me the contract. So I quit my job, and I went in to run this salon. Uh, with, your so wife, said, with your wife? No. Uh. So I said to her, come and join me. Please come and join me. And her character is that she's very hesitant. She doesn't take risks, right? Mm -hmm. She's a farmer. I'm a hunter. And I'll explain the difference. So I like opportunity. I just take it. Mm -hmm. Managing it, I'm not very good. So for one year, I lost fortune. Mm -hmm. okay, I lost the fortune. But we had huge numbers of turnover of people. So over, over one year, she actually came to me and said, you know what, Arish? I can see the opportunity here. Okay? Do you mind if I join? Mm -hmm. And then it just kicked off. Because beauty is what she knew. I had no idea, right? You're good at selling. Sales and marketing, <laughs> yeah. right? So I got that opportunity. Combined, then we grew. Our clubs and spas and health clubs, they just grew. Mm -hmm. uh, and for, I think for 17 years, we built six or seven clubs and spas. Uh, and at the same time, I had several other companies. Mm -hmm. One of them was a marketing company and mm -hmm. consultation. And uh, we built that until 2008. Mm -hmm. Before the recession, I think. It didn't affect us. It was, we had, we had 30,000 members mm. paying us every month. It was amazing. Recurring. Business. Yeah, re recurring income. So um, retainers, are, I'll, I'll speak to you about retainers later if you wish. But I knew no matter what, I always had money to pay the rent, the salaries and everything. But what was killer was the tax and the PAYE and the VAT. And all. I never well comfortable. So that's why I love Dubai so much. Yeah, but so, well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, 2008, it all came to an end. We decided to part, we became friends and business partners, not mm -hmm. lovers anymore. Mm -hmm. So, we decided to part. Um, she came to Dubai mm -hmm. and got divorced. She came to Dubai. I was a single dad mm. looking after the kids. I said, Listen, you work your socks off, go and enjoy life. She met somebody here. Um, she invested in lots of properties and stuff that time. She lost everything, unfortunately, because mm -hmm. of the recession. Mm -hmm. And then 2009, um, I remember being at home with the kids in the house. It was a knock on the door at 9, 30, 10 o'clock at night. And I shouted them, it was a townhouse. And our next door neighbors were like Wayne Rooney, David Beckham. It's in a really rich neighborhood. And um, there's a knock on the door. And uh, I was shouting, can somebody answer the door? And they didn't. So I only had my... Uh, trousers on yes, so yes, yes. I was on the computer working so I thought God I put my pants on tight and putting my shirt on open the door yeah. and four men broke into the house wow. and thank God they had, my kids didn't open the door and um, two of them pinned me against the wall one stood in front of me the other one put a knife to my neck and it was pressing this knife the edge of knife to my neck and the guy was saying cut his throat cut his throat mm -hmm. and the guy who was talking said um, we want 
I don't know, I can't remember the amount, like mm -hmm. 200,000 pounds from you or something. And if you don't pay, it will kill you and the kids. Mm -hmm. And at the time, I was like, oh my God, this, I can't believe this happened to me. So, but I could hear my daughter behind the door singing on her iPad. Mm -hmm. So she doesn't know what's happening. She didn't happening. know anything, yeah. right? So all I was thinking was, I hope she doesn't open the door. I wasn't thinking about my throat being cut or anything. All I was thinking is, I hope she doesn't open the door. Yeah. Yeah. So for about five minutes, I said, no, I don't carry this kind of money. They said, we know, they knew where my kids were. They were following me. And I said, if you don't pay tomorrow, uh, we'll kill you and your kids. So being a salesman, I talked them out of it. They went out and yeah. I phoned um, my friends. I said, call the police. I said, they know where my kids are. Mm -hmm. I said, just call the police. Police came within half an hour. They were all arrested. They were mm. so frigging stupid. They had the fingerprints on the doorbell. Mm. Yeah, they were so stupid, right? Yeah. And the guy in the car, they had my address in the car. So, you know, they, were, they pleaded guilty straight away. Mm -hmm. But that night, I was so scared of repercussions, I uh, flew my kids to Dubai to be with their mom. Okay, and then uh, got police escort to my house. Mm -hmm. I never went back to the house. Packed my, uh, I had a four by four packed my car and I drove to southern Spain. I had some houses in Spain. Mm -hmm. And I went from, if you imagine, from north of England mm -hmm. down to Dover, the tunnel, mm -hmm. Euro tunnel to France, yeah. through France, through Spain, Spain, in 48 hours I drove. Wow. I was like this. I, I couldn't believe what had happened to me. So I got there and I was like, oh, what happened, what happened, what happened, what happened to me? And I, I started meditating, see, I don't want to go back. I was yes. scared of going back, yes. everything. Got back to the UK and I had a heart attack. I had a heart attack. I, I was 20, 20, more than 25 kilos lighter than I am today. Mm -hmm. Shredded, I was playing semi-professional squash. I had a heart attack in the gym. <laughs> and how, how long is this? I mean, what year is this when, when this happened? 2009, 10 2009, years ago. I understand. So, then um, it was funny, I had a franchise business, franchisee business, and I was flying to meet my girlfriend at the time, who became my second wife. Yeah. Um, to, she was in Canada setting up that business, and I was on the way to the airport, so I found out my first wife. Yeah. And I said, listen, I've got this cramp thing in my neck, mm -hmm. and I don't think I can fly eight hours to Canada. Mm -hmm. What do you suggest? Because whatever you do, it doesn't sound good. Yeah. Whatever you do, go pop into the hospital on the way to the airport. So I popped into the hospital, I left an hour earlier, put a pound in the meter, and it did an enzyme test, and it said, you've had a major heart attack. Mm. So it just kept me there for a week. So I missed the flight, came back, obviously I lived. Yeah. When I came back, it was like, car was clamped, had 20 tickets on it, yeah. you know, so it needed <laughs> to be removed. Yeah. Um, but then what happened was, um, it was incredible. I had a, st a stents put in. Mm -hmm. So, quick story. Sure. Do you know of stents? Um, no, it's an incredible uh, invention. Um, a doctor realized that you don't have to have open heart surgery. I should have really, yes, 20, yeah. 30, I should have cut my, uh, my chest, chest yeah. open up and fix it. But now they can actually put through your veins mm. little balloons that open up so your it's artery. Open up, yeah. So, I'm lying there and it, it was pretty good because they put me on morphine, right? Yeah. Pain, um, pain, pain medication. I was floating on the bed. I was like, this death business is really good. I'm loving this. Yes. <laughs> give me more morphine. Please give me more morphine. Yeah. And they came and said, oh, I'm sorry, we have to shave you down there. Mm. I said, what do you mean? I've had a heart attack. What are you shaving me down, down there for? So said, no, we need to shave you down. I said, no, this is embarrassing. Although I'm on highlight. No, you don't want to shave my... <laughs> no, please, keep away from down there, please. 
So they get this, um, so no, we have to. So why? Cause it's because the vein mm-hmm. in your groin is mm-hmm. really wide, thick, mm-hmm. and it can put the stents through those straight to your heart. It goes straight to your heart. So I was like, oh, go on then. So took everything off. They started shaving me down there. I'm like, oh no. You know, like, thank God I was on morphine because otherwise I would have yeah. ran off. Like, yeah, it's yeah. got these, the nurses yeah. <laughs> shaving you. And then an hour later, the doctor comes to surgery. He goes, why do you shave him down there? Because we're going to go through his wrist. <laughs> Sorry. We're going to go through his wrist. I'm like, yeah. oh no. I went through the embarrassment of yeah. shaving me and they used my wrist. <laughs> so what happened was they put um, iodine mm-hmm. in, your, in your body. And you can watch your heart being uh, surgery being done on you. So I'm lying there, wide awake, mm-hmm. and they put this tube. And you're there thinking, okay, because this is going to go into your heart, mm-hmm. they'll do it so slowly. They get there, they go, and I could feel this under my skin going like this at this speed. Mm. Weird. It, under my skin, in the vein, I could feel this thing going. And when it got here, I lost it. But I could see how their thing went into my heart, mm-hmm. and they were putting balloons. Up there, yeah. yeah. I was like, shit, I'm not invincible. Yes. That, that was the first time I thought, you know what? I'm really human. Because before I thought I was a gladiator. I could do anything, yeah. bring it on. I think also that's one of the reasons, uh, probably you might think it's one of your, you can say like holiday for a while. Is it? Because I assume you're a very hard worker. And Do you know what it was? It was a, I'll explain what happened. A great, great, great comment. So what happened was, they said I had a 70 to 30 against living. Mm-hmm. So 70% I was going to die, 30% mm-hmm. I was going to live. Mm-hmm. So I'm lying there and I'm thinking, I'm looking at the ceiling and it's a horrible, I'm like, is this the last, last thing I'm going to look at? Yeah. This horrible ceiling? Yeah. And then I started crying and I, I was lying there, I couldn't stop crying. And the reason I was crying is because I wasn't dying. It, it wasn't because I was dying, it was because I was alone. Mm. Right? There was nobody there, nobody there for me. And I'd made a decision that no matter what happens, I was going to be with my family. And that was the wake up call I needed. And then the next couple of days, I really wrote down all my values, mm-hmm. okay? And that, to come to you, my holiday, my reborn, rebirth, whatever, started that moment when I wrote my values. And then I realized I was working with people I didn't enjoy working with. Mm-hmm. I had staff that I didn't enjoy having in my company. I had friends who didn't have the same values. Mm-hmm. I had surrounded myself with lots of things that weren't coherent with my values. Mm-hmm. Okay? And along the way, before I came here, I decided, so I decided to come to Dubai. Yeah. And I was very honest and I told people. Somebody came to sell, buy my business. Mm-hmm. They gave me 10%, got the keys, and they said, right, sue me for the 90 you know, they screwed me. The bank came after me, the government came after me. By the time I paid everybody off, I had $1,000 in my pocket. So I came here because I committed. I came here 1st of September, 2009. Okay. And it was right after Ramadan and recession ahead. And they were all saying, oh, you, my mom disowned me. Everybody thought I was an idiot. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but it was the best time for me. Because before people were making money. If you're making money, you don't need a consultant, right? Yes, exactly. So the moment recession hit, it was perfect for me. Because so I had could nothing come, to I could, lose. Yeah. No, and I could fix their problem. Mm. Before, they didn't have a problem. So uh, people said, what did you do? I said, I'm an aspirin salesman. So what do you mean? I said, I'll find the headache of your business <laughs> and I'll fix it. You see? Um, so before that, I remember somebody couldn't even speak English or Arabic. They had three phones and they were making hundreds of thousands of dirhams a week. Mm-hmm. Yes? 
they didn't need any skills there was so much demand mm -hmm. uh, but then when I came in I started working on soft skills unique selling proposition mm -hmm. and I became the guy who would always say to you what's unique about you I said this is a unique guy so I said well what's you know be unique yeah okay that's a good company name I'll just call my company be, be unique, unique yeah so you started uh, be unique group uh, during the time when you had nothing, only a thousand dollars. Yeah, I was a I was a consultant for four years. For four years, yeah. understood. And you mentioned about unique selling proposition. Um, I, I want to ask later, be unique group, but I wanted to ask when people wanted to start a business, uh, you help them from stage one, or how do people really start a business, and what make it successful? There's the right ways of starting a business, mm -hmm. and there's wrong ways of starting a business. A wrong way is you work for someone, you saw them making money, yeah. thought you could do it yourself, <laughs> right? You copy the same thing, yeah. And then what happens is because it's not your passion, uh -huh. the person you copied is his passion or her passion. Yes. They will continue growing and changing because they're passionate about it, right? Mm -hmm. Where you left because you want to just copy and make money, you're stagnant, you're stationary. So when the people with passion in that industry keep moving, you, you stay behind, right? So it never lasts. Mm -hmm. So even when people in my organization have left, stolen from me, I just let it go. Because in time, six months or a year, they go bust. Mm -hmm. When people steal from you to open their own business, guess what happens? They steal from each other. Yeah. I think when, it's also the similar concept with the red ocean and blue ocean. Tell me. Oh, that, uh, um, so, so basically, the, the red ocean, it's, it's a market, a market segment where people are eating the same fish. Uh -huh. Once blue market became red because the same people are eating the same fishes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It makes sense, right? Absolutely. Now, here's another thing. I believe in abundance, right? Mm -hmm. So if somebody comes to me and says, listen, I want to leave your organization, I would actually help them to leave, mm. right? Because there's so much business for everyone. People are so busy eating the same fish, they're so busy killing each other, they forget about growth, right? So I would say start your business with the right mentality and for the right reason. So often businesses start in the shower or on the toilet. You know, they're sitting there going, oh, I'm, one, I'm a great singer. <laughs> yeah. Two, I can be a billionaire with this great idea, right? And then they go and borrow money from the every person they love yeah risk their life and limb to start this business the business sinks and they sink with the business right yeah. although the whole universe is telling them nobody's interested in your product nobody wants to pay <laughs> for it there's no market for it they just don't listen okay so one of the things is that listen to market if market is not freaking interested don't put your life next the word next is my favorite word in business right next because where, where the idea came there'll be another one mm -hmm. another okay. one is that focus mm -hmm. okay. focus right somebody who has great ideas that's another thing i actually have a book called the idea book and it's got a light bulb so i have loads of light bulb moments because entrepreneurs sees opportunity everywhere yes. but the worst thing they do is every opportunity they see they dive mm -hmm. yes yeah? so after a year they've opened 50 businesses but they didn't go past week one yes so they're all over the place so what i suggest is write your ideas down sit on it it's like having a car i have a ferrari and when you want to have a ferrari you're always thinking about it thinking about it think about it and then when you get it after a week i know trust me after a week it's just another car mm. okay it's just another uh, it sounds 
you always want one when you don't have it. But when you have it, you think, okay, I got it. I think right? it's like uh, you're enjoying the process when you still don't have it. Correct. But Correct. once you have don't it, Don't get me like, wrong. When I have it, then I'm sitting there thinking, now, if you have a Ferrari, you've got to not care about the service charge or the tires. You know, if you get one and you don't want to pay for the servicing or you worry about the wheels, cost of wheels, don't get one. Okay, that's why the rich get super yachts. They're so rich, they don't care about the 10% maintenance of the yachts, mm -hmm. right? So always get something that you can comfortably afford to, to maintain. So um, to answer your question, what I find is that people do well if they are obsessed by something. Mm -hmm. You've got to be passionate about it, then obsessively focus on it, okay? Too many people are comfortable, mm. and they have this... Um, feeling of the world owes them right unfortunately we live in a world where we hear about overnight successes we hear about overnight successes of facebook and yeah. and and you know these people who set up a company solely for billions later or x factor but the truth is 99.99999 percent of us have to work for it most people unfortunately that i see aren't prepared to work for it they're not strong enough the, because most of the times nowadays, actually, social media make it easier to project something that you're not know. true. Yeah, exactly. Right? You see Kim Kardashian, you think, what a life she's got. I don't want to have her life. Yeah. yeah, but what she decides to post makes it seem amazing. But I'm sure her life is pretty, you know, not, it's challenging. Mm -hmm. Right? So people, I, I see this like miserable people sitting and they get their phone, they're like, and they're looking ugly and nasty and horrible. They get their phones like, and they got this selfie look, suck the cheeks and do this and that, and it suddenly look attractive. But the moment that selfie goes, the life is back to this again, yeah. you know? And I'm thinking if you're a follower, you think they're happy all the time, you think they're wealthy, but that's not true, mm -hmm. that's not real. Um, and too many people care about what other people are. You gotta be inspired within. I was listening to a podcast yesterday, mm -hmm. and he said, um, you shouldn't train motivation to people, yeah? You should find motivated people. Motivated people, understood. Right. And I think that's also one of your key ingredients in hiring your staff. Oh yeah, you did some research on yes. me. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. If I don't know if you spent some time in my reception, but most of my staff, as far as I know, are happy and positive people. Yes. Yeah. Did you feel the energy? I mean, look at this young lady. It's really, um, actually, it's really quite intriguing to have how? reception ask you like, "Have you been served? How are you?" Because normally, when I go to other offices, they're just like. All right, just sit down. So take a seat. Yeah, exactly. And they do their own thing, yeah. I mean, we have a car showroom downstairs, and I'm, I shouldn't say, but I went downstairs, and I just recently bought a 1.2 million dirham car from them, only last week, right? Yeah. And I go down, the salesman wouldn't even look at me. And I'm looking at buying a G-Wagon, mm -hmm. right, for a million. Yeah. So, and I'm like, are you going to even look, make me feel special? Yeah. Are you going to even, I had to go over and interrupt his personal telephone call. You know, and because the guy's not motivated. You can't teach them. And obviously, he's going to get some kind of commission for an expensive car, yeah. but he's not even motivated to greet me. I felt guilty interrupting his personal telephone conversation. And, it, and I knew it was personal because his feet was on the desk mm -hmm. and he was laughing and everything on his answer. So it wasn't business, right? Uh -huh. So sad, really. And when you mentioned about motivation, what is your motivation? Motivation um, is within, right? Mm -hmm. So my motivation... I believe, uh, quoting Wayne Dyer, is that I have, we all have music within us, mm -hmm. okay? And I don't want to die with music within me, 
Does that make sense? Uh, can you expand it a little bit? Yeah, I want to um, inspire as many people as I can. That's my motivation. I want anybody, be it uh, a receptionist, cleaner, um, whoever in my organization, grow. Grow by knowing me, grow by touching me, but, uh, not literally, touching our company. That's touch points, right? Yes, they come yes. across us. Even when I interview, when I do group interviews, I make sure that the interviewees leave with some kind of inspiration or education. I did one today with eight people, and they all went, when is your next motivational event? Because we want to come. Yeah. And, they came, and I rejected them all. None of them got the job, right? <laughs> yeah. But they felt inspired because I made them feel good. You know, they, an interviewee comes here, they take a bus, they walk, they get here, they wait an hour yeah. to get interviewed, they go back. That's three hours of lives, wait, yeah, you know, exactly. taken, not wasted, taken. You should actually thank them for that. How many, how many times we go for an interview, we never hear from them. Yeah. Or they send you an email, the week later, we'll keep your name on file. Yes, I let everyone know after half an hour of my interview whether they got the job or not because I respect them. Mm. You know, so you don't want to keep people hanging and all that. Yeah, it's, you've got to respect everyone, and it's incredible mm. how many customers I get from my interviewees who didn't get a job. Mm. They go and get a job somewhere else, but they always remember who respected them, and they call me and say, "Would you look after our marketing? Would you look after our sales?" Yeah. So that's by adding value, you get value in return in some way. Yeah, always, always, you know. I remember when I was a kid, I didn't like the way people spoke to some waiters and waitresses or cleaners. And I just made a decision when I was a kid that I was going to treat everybody with respect. And I really, in my heart, maybe sometimes I don't because I'm not aware of it, but I really consciously make an effort to treat everybody with respect. Mm -hmm. Understood. And um, so your motivation, you, you want to help people, you want to add value. Um, I know you're very successful, obviously. Thank you. What is what is the next for you? I mean, well, I want to be a billionaire, right? right. So th here's the thing: I've got friends who are billionaires mm -hmm. who want to spend time with me, mm -hmm. and when I spend time with them, I'm like, why is that? Pardon? Why? Why, why do they want to spend time with me? Because one, I'm a good listener, <laughs> okay, <laughs> and. Um, you're interviewing me, so I'm doing all the talking, but yeah. in, a, in a conversation, I'm a good listener, and I really care about what they have to say. Mm -hmm. So when they're telling me their story, be it being, buying planes, yachts, everything. Hey everyone, I just want to take a short break because I know Darius' episode is an hour and a half. So if you're still with me listening onto this episode, I just want to say thank you so much for spending the time with me. and. I hope you're taking a lot of value and really taking down notes on each and every journey where Darius shared his, you know, failures, his life lessons. Because believe me, when I was sitting in front of him, uh, you know, there's a lot of things I, I really wanted to uh, learn. And this is one of the reasons why I do this podcast is to share my journey with you through through content to, to the inspiring guests that I have in the show. Um, but I'm just really curious as well, how many of you would like to start your own podcast? Would you be interested if uh, I tell you that there's a free podcast webinar training which can be found on my website, which is www.thedrivetosucceed.com slash webinar. So it is a free podcast training, which is an intro for my podcast workshop to be held on December 13 and 14. So if you're an expert, a business owner, a solopreneur, this podcast training is for you. So just kindly go to the drive to succeed.com slash webinar and you're gonna enter your email and first name and we'll take care of the rest.
So without further ado, let's go back to the episode. I'm really interested, right? And who who doesn't want to speak to somebody who's not interested, who's interested in their lives, you know? Yes, and I'm yes. really interested. I, I'm not jealous. I'm actually inspired by the stories. Mm-hmm. If I don't agree with their values, I don't have to be in that life. Mm-hmm. Okay, I don't judge. Mm-hmm. Okay? And they like that. They they feel it, right? The only thing is, I don't go out that much with them because I'm an introvert. Mm. I like my space. I like meditating. I like reading. I like learning. And I truly believe there is a way to become extremely wealthy and contribute a lot. Like right now, we support a school of 250 kids in in Thailand. Mm -hmm. Until about two months ago, nobody knew. Well, the school has got to such a stage now, I need to get external support. Until now, we've been funding it ourselves. Mm -hmm. So 250 uh, Burmese kids that we support. Um, I did a seminar last month, and all the money from the seminar paid for six weeks of food for my kids mm. you know so that was good so if i'm richer mm-hmm. i can help more people mm-hmm. and also i also believe that um i don't know if you know the concept and i'm not sure if Tony robbins said this um there's two phase in your in life you can uh grow and so you can contribute to others yeah so if you're growing then you can you're grow. absolutely right i think what happens is some people um, want to give I, I, I say this is life mm-hmm. your glass is either half empty or half full right yes. and most people want to give before the glass is full so I think if, if you if this is your energy levels or perception of life mm-hmm. and you giving mm-hmm. there's nothing left in there yeah. right so what you have to be in a selfish way be selfish make sure your cup is flowing and then give does that make sense yes by me looking after my health I make sure I'm going to be here long years to look after my staff. Mm-hmm. Because the, as long as the company prospers, my staff will, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to make sure that we all have prosperous lives yeah. so they can have proper, prosperous lives. Does that make sense? Yes. But if I'm like not eating well, or I'm stressed, and yeah. everything I earn I give, this, I'll be temperamental, I'll be impossible to work with, I'll be stressed, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's that balance. So I'm probably the most selfish person on the planet. And selfless, probably. Correct, because if I contribute, I know my cup is full all the time, right? Mm-hmm. So, selfishly, I'm selfless. Does that make sense? Yes, I know what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and also, you mentioned earlier about values, and I knew that you're a family guy. I think there's one video on YouTube I saw that you were with your kids in Six Side Road and all that. Which I, I, there's so many. I can't. Oh, we're in the taxi. Yes, they were yes. sitting behind me. Yes, 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 yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, yes. So uh, you mentioned about values. You mentioned about wealth as well. Um, I really wanted to understand because there are some people that, when a zero has been added to their net worth, it becomes irrelevant. But I now that I talk to you, you you discuss about being selfish, so you can be selfless. Um, how does it transcribe to your personal life and in your relationship? By the way, again, one of the biggest challenges is that people say the moment you say selfish or rich, they have a negative perception towards it, right? Yes. You can be selfish. I can drown myself in education so I can educate. Does that make sense? Yes. So I'm being selfish, wanting to learn so I can give, mm-hmm. right? So, and then the values part is that one of my values is honesty. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I could have a member of staff earning me a fortune but if they're dishonest 
when they lie to a client or lie to me, they're out the door. There's not even a conversation. There's no warning. Yeah. Yes. It's very black and white. Um, caring, loving. Okay. I don't want staff who are just here for the money. I want people who actually care for our customers. Because if they care, they come early, they leave late. If it's a problem, they look after the client. Yeah. Communication. Because even with your personal relationship or work, if there's a lack of communication, there could be misunderstanding. Yes. Communication is listening and talking. Yeah. So I really believe in that. I believe in urgency. These mm. are my values. Yes. I, uh, one of my biggest values is respect for time. Mm -hmm. So thank you for being on time today. <laughs> you were a little bit late, but you were lost, but I was aware of it, right? Yeah, so yeah. thank you. Um, respect for time is really important to me. Like I've got very wealthy clients constantly late I fire them okay if I did because you know what happens the moment the relationship starts that will really be the the bug it will bother you they don't respect your time if they don't yes. respect your time they don't respect you yes? yes so to me I say to the client if you're late one more time it's end of our relationship and I fire them and they can't understand because do you know how who I am doing yeah, how rich yeah, yeah. I am I don't care I'm happy for you but your values don't match mine I see. okay so when it comes to my family Here's the thing. I was talking about this today. My judges are my... Do you have children? Not yet. Doesn't matter, right? Because I want to be the father that I never had. Mm. Okay? So when I'm in a meeting, I always think that my children are watching me, although they're not there. And I will say, if my son or daughter was watching, would they be proud of me? So they are my judges, although they're not there. And you can think the same thing. Although you don't have children, you say, if I had a daughter or son and was looking at me now, would they be, wow, what a father I have? Yeah. You see? If, you, if the answer is, wow, what a father I have, you're doing the right thing. Understood. So it's, it feels like you're building your legacy one day. At it's a time. legacy. It's a legacy because you get to a stage. Now, you're very young. You're, you're in the first half of your life. I'm in the middle of the second half of my life. So like it or not, I'm not going to be on this planet as long as you are going to be, right? Yes. So I have to leave a legacy. Right now, you're building something, mm -hmm. right? But I suggest get used to saving 10% of your income, no matter how much you don't have. Always, it's a habit. Yeah. It's about discipline. Make sure you give a percentage away all the time. Mm -hmm. And what's amazing is that when I sack a bad client, the universe, it's friggin' amazing. When I sack a bad client, two good ones come out the blue. Mm. I sack a client and two good clients come. And I'm like, thank you, God. What a miracle, whatever, Buddha, yeah. what a Allah, whatever <laughs> it is. Wow, Jesus, yeah? yeah? Thank you, God, yes? You brought me. Because what happens is those shitty friends, shitty clients, shitty suppliers, shitty everything you've got, they're sucking up all your energy. Yeah. I hope I can swear on this podcast. It's okay. It's okay. You can bleep it out, right? Beep, yeah. beep, 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 beep. <laughs> right? So actually on my podcast, I don't delete it. The Fs and the Shs are always there. So <laughs> any minute now they could walk in and say you're swearing in Dubai. So really stick to your values. Before my heart attack, I think I, I negotiated on my values, mm. right? If the money was good, I'll take it and I'll worry about the values later. But I didn't realize how much stress was adding to me. Yes. Right? So let's say you have a packed diary and you go to see a client and they're running late and you know it's going to have an effect on the rest of your appointments, right? But you do it because they pay well. Yeah. But after a while, you're getting this pain in your chest and your throat that you want to say something, but you don't. Mm -hmm. That leads to cancer. Mm -hmm. That leads to unhealthiness, right? Get rid of it. It leads to a heart attack. 
get don't entertain it. And once you don't entertain it, great clients will come. I promise you that. Thank you. What was I saying? People, per, people, pers- people spend too much time pursuing success instead of attracting success. Mm. Right? Instead of fighting, getting, fighting, did it, did be in a good place, do the right things, and success will come to you. Understood. And I also believe I'm giving that you some profound stuff here. I hope you, you know, it's yes, all sinking in. Yeah, I, I'm trying to digest <laughs> all of it. I'm just joking. Um, and also, I always believe that you know, some there two two the same clients are not always treated equal. Even though some is paying well, some is not. Sometimes focusing on the, the ones who are you know on the lower bracket probably will do you better. Mm-hmm. Yes and no. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if I'm coaching you, if you yeah. don't mind me saying, this is what sure. I would say to you. Sure. <clears throat> Treat them with the same respect. Mm -hmm. If you have a client, I got to a stage where I was working seven days a week and I was doing two clients a day. So I had 14 clients a week. Mm -hmm. And my fee was um, 7,000 dirhams a month. Mm -hmm. And I was doing good money, but I was working my ass off, right? Yeah. 14, 15 hour a day, seven days a week. Yeah. And it got to a stage I was like, I want to earn more money, but I don't have enough time, right? So I sacked all my clients. Okay, and people I thought was crazy, and I doubled my prices. Mm. Right? Within one month, I was fully booked again. <laughs> Think about it, right? I was doing exactly what I was doing the month before, but was earning twice as much. Why do you think that is? Give me a, give me a hint. My mindset changed. I valued myself more. Does I that make see. sense? Yes. So to answer your question, if you've got a client who pays you, let's say, 5,000 dirhams a month retainer, for instance, okay. okay? And they're small. That's a huge chunk of their revenue. Yes. So they demand a lot for it. Um, is, yeah. If I'm giving you half my income, I want blood for that money, no matter how <laughs> nice they are, right? Yeah. Then you've got a client who's worth a lot more, they pay you 5,000. Whether you deliver or not, and I hope you do, yeah, of course. they're not on your case. They're not soaking up on your time. So what I say to you, absolutely treat all your customers with respect, but choose your customers carefully. Give it, work with people who can comfortably afford you. If you're working with small one, low end, they want blood for their money. And if you actually look back at your month and you think, oh my God, did I literally spend 70% of my time on these low paying clients? Mm. Yes, and your time is your precious commodity that you'll never get back. So treat all your, customers with respect but sometimes you have to sack clients who who want who want blood who want everything who want your soul yeah and when you mentioned that because i know one of the markets where people love to negotiate um how do you enter a room with you know those clients who have the mindset that i want this amount i want this whatever it takes you know great great so um first of all (laughs) what i say to them is like do you drive the cheapest car Mm. No. Why? Convenience. Uh. Yeah, because you value what the Porsche badge is on your car. What car do you, I always say to guys, what car do you ride? They say Bentley or Porsche or what a Jag or whatever. I said. But you could have easily got a, a really bad car from China or India or whatever, yeah. right? Yes. But you didn't. You choose to choose a Jaguar, right? So you pay for how you value things, mm. right? So if you don't value me, we can't do business together. Right, that's the first thing. Now, I understand you want the best deal. And I, this is my negotiation. And I promise you this, that have you ever been on a holiday and you sat next to someone 
and you think you got a great deal and you talk to them on the plane and they've got a better deal than you and it really ruins your holiday and you think, oh, I shouldn't have asked them because they got a cheaper deal than me, right? Yeah. I promise you, no matter who you sit next to, they haven't got a better deal than you. But I'm not going to do a deal at a loss. And that's my negotiation. Okay? Would you do a deal at a loss? No, of course. So why would you expect me to? Would you do any work for free? Only if there's something, you know. But you won't do it for free because you yeah. want to get something back for yes, it, whatever yes, it is, yes. right? Why are you expecting me to? That's my negotiation. Why, why are you expecting me to accept something that you wouldn't? Honestly, well, that's a good it's one. It's true, isn't it? It's yeah, true. Yeah, it is, it is. What happens, most people want to say it, but they're too scared. Mm-hmm. So they don't say it. Everybody avoids and they think it's confrontation, right? Yeah. But you're saying what your heart feels. Yes. When you say what your heart feels, most people respect it. They might not do business with you, but they always respect you. Right? And also, I think I, you mentioned in one of your videos that... Thank you. You watch my videos too. I, I do. I love you, man. <laughs> Thank you. Um, that when you're entering, when people doesn't close sales, they accept that like, I'll call you next week. And then you mentioned about you need to fight for it. You need to argue for it. But if the, the salesperson doesn't love the product, then definitely the, the amount of effort will not be shown during you know the, the sure. meeting. Uh, you're in the um, consultancy Me- business, right? Mm-hmm. So you offer what value do you offer your customers? So so now the way I do it because podcasting is the way I create value or give value to people, and in return they position me as an expert in you know doing great podcasts, being a great communicator. What does that inevitably mean for me? If I was your customers and you taught me how to do correct podcasting, mm-hmm. what would that inevitably mean for me? Um, what What do you mean by that? What's my benefits? So what's your benefit? So let's say you're a business owner. So the idea behind is to position yourself as an expert. So instead of going to probably traditional media like radio, have an advert PR spot. and yeah, all this, exactly. right? So, so great. So yeah. and then what happens? I'm, I'm training here and it's yes, okay yes. it's good it's, honestly this is valuable stuff right <laughs> and not many people can answer this so that's great what then so um, after that once you know what my way of doing is I invite you for uh, my in-person workshop so we basically spend two days with me and teach you the in and out so I become an expert right I yes. become yeah what then you, I'm trying to zoom in here. Yes, yes, Until yes. you know the answer I'm going to give you, you're not going to become rich at it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Interesting, right? Yes. So inevitably, what does it mean for me? So I'm a business owner, and I'm not good at podcasts, right? I come to you, you teach me. So, so what? Mm-hmm. So so the next, the next thing is, so we have your own platform. Then we work on content, so we can uh, leverage that content. Great. So what? I leverage the content, so what? Monetize the content and position. What was that saying? Monetize. Why don't you say it? Monetize. To make me more? Money. Money. Yeah, exactly. Right? So why did it take so long for you to give me that answer? I don't want to sound like a sales pitch. No, <laughs> because you don't value your own expertise, right? Mm. This, is what, this is why I win most of the deals. Mm-hmm. Because people don't get to the end result, mm. right? I will do this, I will do this, I will do this so you can earn more money. Mm -hmm. Right? Do you want to earn more money? Yeah. When do you want to start it? Next month or today? Today, of course. So why don't we start now? (laughs) That's how I do business. 
You see, yeah. most people go around the houses avoiding that I'm going to make you more money, uh -huh. right? Can you afford wasting more time? Can you afford wasting more no, time? No, of course. So not. why can't we start today? You see, so what I do is I value what I bring to the table. Mm -hmm. So when I'm sitting with someone, says, "Listen, you're leaking money, mm -hmm. right? I can close that leak and I can make you twenty to twenty-five percent next month." Mm -hmm. Do you want to waste a month thinking about it or do you want to save money and make money tomorrow? And if I don't pay you, you pay me up front, by the way. Yeah, if I don't deliver, I'll give you a full refund. And I have a gap in my diary tomorrow at 10 o'clock. Is that okay? Can I come in 5 to 10? Yeah, why not? <laughs> because if you're going to make me money, then I'm going to come. Do you see? <laughs> so it's not, it's, it's just belief. It's just belief, right? And most people avoid saying, I can make you more money. You gave me all sorts of things, right? Yeah. But you avoid, and then you didn't say money, you said monetizing, right? Yeah. I'm gonna give you cash, right? <laughs> I'm gonna give you cash, true? And people get it, simplify it, keep it simple, stupid, right? Yeah. Because what happened was, features, advantages, benefits, have you heard of that? Yeah. You, you, you were feeding me with features and advantages, right? But people buy benefits, right? And at the end, you find this, I'll make you more money. I was like, that's the benefit to me, right? Yeah. If I keep giving this, I'm going to get cash back. Yes. Right? So it's a deal. Understood. Right? People don't understand or value the benefits they bring on the table for the services. And that's why they can't close the deal. Am I making sense? Yes. Right? So probably along the way, and I apologize for saying this, True. somewhere along the way, you have money, money energy blocks. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if you were my client, I'll work with you that you can talk money without even sweating or giggling or because money makes the world go around, right? Yeah. Business is about money. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can contribute. If you, if you set up a business and it's not about money, you're a charity. Yeah, of course. Okay, and I don't see charity on your, on your business card, right? So it's about money. Mm -hmm. And I think you, your voice is amazing. You're extremely professional. Both of you are extremely professional. There is absolutely no reason why you shouldn't be rich from doing what you're doing. And podcasting is the way forward. You should be running with this and constantly busy. I hope you are. Yes. Yeah. If you're not, you should be because you do, you're extremely good at it. Thank you. Actually, I'll be having at least three talks this month. I actually started to believe in myself. So I <laughs> approached organizers to promote myself and promote my work. Yes. And then be more confident about doing the, the workshops and all that. I know it's going to be sounded. Now, what happens here? Again, I'm going to be on your case, right? Because yeah. it's what I do. Yeah. What you should have said was, what you should have said was, would you teach me? You see, what happens is most people don't ask. Mm -hmm. Okay? Do you want to learn your own way? Mm -hmm. Or do you want somebody who's lost hundreds of millions of dollars in 30 years of your, their lives to teach you? I would do the second. I wouldn't say, I'm going to go down my own path because in the shower, I thought that was my own path. That yeah. I'm going to pursue it or you'll go to people a peer group who can really take you straight up there yes you see and guess what happens birds of a feather flock together yeah positive people with positive people doctors with doctors entrepreneurs with entrepreneurs, rich people rich golfers with golfers right yeah so if you come to me and ask me for my help and i help you who am i connected with people who can easily afford your services yes right right it's actually one of the reasons why I came here today. So, um, of course, uh, why? What was the reason you came here today? 
I wanted to know you more and know your story behind it and, and develop a relationship and make more money, of course. And how? By teaching me <laughs> to the story. Exactly. And lessons, so what, yeah. you see, again, let me explain to you. Sorry, uh, this is for the listeners. Because yes, what yes, you're yes, doing yes. through, 99.99% of people do. Yes. Okay? They think if they ask for help, they're coming across desperate mm. or begging. Mm-hmm. Right? And it's not the case. I would, people come to me and say, can I have a job? Can I borrow money? But nobody ever says to me, can I spend some time with you learning? Mm. Right? If somebody says, can I spend two hours with you on your meetings and just soak up information, which is priceless, yes. I will do it. So if you don't feel by asking for growth is a bad thing, say, Darish, I came here to meet you, see if you can help me succeed because I have really good values, I have a really good product, I just maybe need a little bit of glitch from you I can learn to take me to the next level. What am I gonna say, no? You with me? I'm gonna say, absolutely, my pleasure. When are you free? Yeah, people don't ask. The reason I sell, because most people don't ask. They go around the houses, yeah, avoiding it. They, they quash what they really want by not asking. What's the worst thing I can say? No. Yeah, not now, maybe. Not now. Tomorrow. <laughs> no, not now. If I say not now, what are you going to say? Maybe let's try again tomorrow. No. Next week. No. This is what I would say. Fantastic. When is a good time? See, what happens is when you're talking to a prospect, if you're asking questions where the answer's no, 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 you feel yourself going down a wrong path. You're in a hole. Yes. Yeah. Right? So what you want to do is in sales, get people to say yes. <laughs> so when you say yes, yes, do you agree? Yes. Yeah. Right. Small you, hoops, so, yeah. Correct. So if I keep getting yes from you, yes? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's very difficult that, yeah. to get a no. Yeah, exactly. Right? So what you say is a fantastic. So you can't see me tomorrow. When is a good time for me to come and see you? Mm-hmm. Then I'm screwed, right? Because you're asking me an open question. But if you're saying tomorrow, no. Day after tomorrow, no. No, 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 no. Yeah. And also it's becoming much more difficult for you to build that relationship because I keep rejecting you. Exactly. Right? All right, well, thank you so much for this <laughs> big coaching session I got. <laughs> Sorry, man. That's, I just do this for a living. Kids are sick of me. My kids are all dad. Off you go again. No worries. No I think worries. that's why my kids don't spend much time with me. Probably this episode will be the, you know, the, the best one. <laughs> thank you. Um, what do you mean probably? Uh, it, <laughs> <laughs> probably right take this away <laughs> I don't I always use that word I think it's a, a habit yeah. now, um, speaking of habits um, what are the habits to become successful or what do you do that's different what is unique about you well I'm not as disciplined as I should be mm-hmm. I think the difference between me and Bill Gates mm-hmm. apart from 150 billion dollars yeah. is that he spends his time more wisely than I do okay so he's more disciplined with his time so I feel I can always be more disciplined if I was more disciplined I'll be fitter than I am today if I was more disciplined I'll be have I'll be carrying less weight so it needs discipline you can't go to the gym once and then expect to get really fit right yes and it's the same in business so you have to do many people think business is a, is a sprint but it's yeah. not it's a marathon mm-hmm. okay so it's doing the right things consistently my, my staff are young my average age of my staff is 23 so they're impatient. They want things like tomorrow. And Tony Robbins says you, um, you overestimate what you can do in one year because everyone wants to be a rich in a, in a year, mm-hmm. but you underestimate what you can do in 10. Warren Buffett is the second richest man on the planet because he had compound growth over a period of time. Mm-hmm. Yes? And most people want to get rich quick. Mm-hmm. 
yes and there is no magic formula so it's, it's life is like golf if you if you align your ball by a millimeter your swing and you hit it in time and distance it could be a hundred yards yeah okay but those little adjustments means massive difference in time and distance and that's life okay so discipline is keep your eye on the goal every day mm-hmm. every day if you have a million dollar target end of the year break it down to 365 activity days Mm -hmm. okay because it's more chunkable and more manageable if it's broken down because if you can't pay the rent or you don't have food on the table it's very hard to imagine a million dollars in your bank account so you say this time next year i'm going to be a millionaire this time you know what your subconscious mind telling you you stupid idiot you can't pay the rent what are you thinking about right yeah yeah, yeah. so and people say affirmations affirmations affirmations. (laughs) no no right so law of attraction yeah exactly you know what law of attraction is like I meet many people who say, why do I always meet bastards? Why do I always meet bastards? Why do I always meet bitches? Why do I always meet people who screw me? Why do I have shitty clients? Because you're always looking for them. Yeah. Right? So instead of focusing on what you haven't got, focus on what you want. So if there's a, a lady looking for a man, write down a list of what qualities you're looking for a man. And then you start looking, you will start seeing them because they're there because mm-hmm. you're always focusing on bastards, right? Yeah. People who mess you around and mess up with your emotions so that's what you get used to and it's the same with clients you write down what kind of client is your ideal client Mm -hmm. and you automatically see them everywhere Mm. right people often focus on what they haven't got instead of what they want and also when i wanted um nice i I like cars yeah um i noticed that but i'm i can't afford a yaris and there were times that i I had i had a yaris nothing wrong with yaris's but it was a rental car Uh right and it was very difficult to focus on my Ferrari, okay? Because I'm driving this Yaris, I can't afford the petrol in the car, and I'm imagine a 458 and something like that. It's not going to work, right? So yeah. what I did was I started imagining myself in the Ferrari. I wasn't imagining towards it. I was imagining sitting, sitting in it. Feeling the leather, smelling the smell. The le- yeah, the sound of the engine. And within a year, I had one. And guess what? I'll tell you a quick story. Yeah, I, sure. I, I wanted a white Ferrari with a black roof. And I couldn't afford a Ferrari, right? I couldn't afford it, but I put it on my vision board. And all my staff have vision boards in our, in our office. You have your vision board? Yeah, everybody has a vision board, right? So even a receptionist has a vision board because I think collectively, if they're achieving their goals, I will achieve my goal, right? Because I need them as well, again, being selfish. So I wrote this picture of the Ferrari and exactly what I wanted. And out of the blue, somebody says, there's a car club, okay? and can this guy come and say, so what's a car club? Because you pay 10, 11,000 dirhams a month, and this guy's got a pool of 20 supercars. And you can have a car for a day or two a month. I was like, okay, maybe I can negotiate my goals. Can't quite afford one, but I can drive one one day a month, right? So the guy comes in, and he's got Bentleys, uh, McLarens, this, and there's a white Ferrari with a black roof. I'm like, I knew it, I knew it. So I signed up and gave him 11,000 dirhams a month to be a member. Six months goes by, and I hardly use the cars and anything. I was like, what a waste of money. And then he comes and says to me, Darish, I'm thinking about closing this club. Would you be interested in my cars? And I've got nothing in my bank account, right? Maybe 50,000 dirhams, right? I'm like, but if you don't ask, you don't get. I said, I want the Ferrari. Because, yeah, 1.2 million. I said, well, I don't have the money, right? But you paid for it. So I'll tell you what. Keep the car under your name, but we'll do a separate agreement. But I pay you monthly for a year. 
Okay, and I'll give you 100,000 dirhams a month. Mm -hmm. He accepted. Gave me the keys the very next day. When I started driving a Ferrari, guess who attracted? Top clients came to me thinking I was successful. Right? On my vision board, I had a white Ferrari with a black roof. I was driving a white Ferrari with a black roof with 50,000 dirham down payment. Isn't that a miracle? Yeah, it is. I'd like to tell you one story. Sure. The miracle one, if you don't mind. This, yeah. is, this is the best one I've got in the back, yeah. okay? Because miracles happen all the time. Mm-hmm. For four or five years, I was a business consultant, mm-hmm. but I was leading to another heart attack because I was working seven days a week, two clients a day. It was, and clients, want, you don't just finish with them, you've got to go home. You go home and you work on what you promised them because the next yes. time you meet them, you've got to deliver. So it was nonstop, and I, and I was falling behind. I was getting stressed out. So the question I was asking myself for a period of two years was, because the quality of your life depends on the quality of questions you ask. Mm. If you ask good questions, you, you get, get good, good answers, answers right? Yeah, exactly. yeah. So it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to die. What's going to happen? I can't live like this. I was asking, how can I have a business when I'm not selling my time? How can I have a business when I'm not selling my time? And the answers wasn't there. I just kept asking the same question. Yeah. But when I, when I took sabbatical after my heart attack, I wrote down my values. And one of them was to meet Muhammad Ali, the boxer. Because that's the only thing I remember from my father. When I was three, he used to wake me up one in the morning, sit me on his lap and watch the Ali Fraser fights. You know Muhammad Ali? Yeah, yeah, yeah the boxer, yeah. Exactly. He died uh, three years ago. So, never met the guy. I'm Iranian. He's American, yes. But since then, I've always followed his career, his retirement, Parkinson's, uh, first black athlete, anti-Vietnam, he stood up for all the uh, rights, equality and everything. So I really admired this guy and followed it all my life. And I thought, you know, I'm a little kid in Iran who wants to meet this guy, but I write it in my goals. I want to meet Muhammad Ali. Another one was to work with kids, help kids, because adults screw you, they stab you behind your back, they don't trust you. I want to work with kids who are, if they like me, they hug me, if they don't, they run off. I know where I stand with them, right? Because at that time I came out hurt. So I did some research, and amongst other things, I come to Dubai, build a life, and I, all that was on my goals. So I achieved everything apart from meet Muhammad Ali. And I was Googling, and I realized that Muhammad Ali has a center called the Ali Center in Louisville, Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Do you know this story? Do you know this? No, I'll tell you this. So, so I researched, because he's got an Ali Center in Kentucky, mm-hmm. and all he does is help children find the greatness within. Mm-hmm. I was like, Oh my God, help kids, Ali Center Fantastic. So I put an amazing presentation together and I didn't know anyone and I met like loads of small people and then started working my way up the sheikh's rankings, yes? And I got to a junior sheikh of Sharjah. There was a young guy turned up in his drophead Rolls Royce in this meeting. I was waiting waiting in the Palace Hotel Mm -hmm. and I rehearsed this presentation a thousand times to bring the Ali Center from Louisville, Kentucky, a franchise to Dubai. To UAE. I was thinking this UAE. I mean, there's loads of empty buildings, right? Stick one of these in there. It helps with tourism. It helps kids because a huge diabetes problem here. It will help a lot of people in the UAE, and it'll be a good tourist attraction. He's the most famous Muslim on the planet, yeah. most famous sportsman on the planet, everything. So it, it seemed perfect. I did this, the guy comes in. I did this most pre- amazing presentation. I rehearsed a hundred times, and he went, thank you very much, not interested. Mm. I was like, I was like mm. so <laughs> why? Because if he was rock climbing, skydiving, yes, but nobody's interested in an old boxer. Thank you. And he got up and left. And I, honestly, I want to die. I was like, all my dreams come to you know an end, blah, blah, blah. So I went home and Facebook was new then. Yeah. 
So I opened up a Facebook page called the Ali Center UAE. And I wrote a heartfelt letter. I said, my dad, Ali, Iran, okay. Ali Center, helping kids. I wrote this down. And I said, if 50 of you press my page, like page, I'll continue my dreams. If less than 50, I'll put it to bed. Posted it, went to bed. Woke up, I had 1,000 followers, 1,100 followers overnight, okay? I was like, what? This face, <laughs> and my letter went viral. Yeah. In two weeks, I had over 40,000 followers. My letter went viral. And I had 2011, this was 2011, 12. And I had 42,000 followers. I'm driving on Shayside Road, and my mobile phone rings. And I answered, hello, it's a phone. Can you be available at 11 o'clock? Sure. Went home, called, told the wife and the kids, we're sitting around the table, the phone rings. Mrs. Muhammad Ali on the phone. Mm. <laughs> we heard about your campaign. Muhammad wants to see you. Can you believe this? So Muhammad who? Muhammad Ali wants to see you. Oh, you are joking me. Can you come over to Ali Center? And I had no money. Sure. <laughs> and I like, went around begging and yeah. borrowing and everything. I booked the flights. I, I took five or six flights to get there. Yeah. And I was sitting in Louis. By that time, I had 60,000 followers. My page had gone viral. And even now telling you like eight years later, my hair is standing on my So I was sitting and I'm about to meet my hero, right? And I'm sitting in a restaurant because it was like four hours early, like, uh, like you do. And I thought, hang on, I owe it to the followers, not me to be uh -huh. here. It's them. That make it happen. Yeah. yeah. So I picked up a menu and there was a board saying Ali Center this way. And I posted a picture. Eight and a half thousand people replied. And I'm like, this is the business I've been looking for, mm. right? So I picked up a handkerchief and on the back of it wrote an idea for a social media company. You see? So I thought, hang on a second. All my, at the time I had about 40 clients. I said, out of those 40 clients, if I charge them price less than a cleaner, if I have so many clients and I charge them 2,000 dirhams a month, and I have one guy at design, because I don't know anything about design, and some programming, that's two people on 5,000, I can make a profit out of this, right? And I've got a trust factor in my clients. So I got back, and I signed 25 clients in one month. Mm. So I suddenly had an income of 50,000 dirhams, right? In the first six months, I had 100 clients, okay? So we became a social media company. Do you see how the dots connect? Yeah. I had no idea that was going to be my path. But sitting in Louisville, Kentucky, posting that thing because of Muhammad Ali. Do you see how the whole thing? Yes, I, yes. I couldn't have planned it better. Yeah. So then people came to me and said, we love what you're doing. Can you do some logos for us? Sure. Designer, can you do a logo? No, I hired one. And they said, Fanta, can you do a website? Yeah, how much? <laughs> 10,000? Yeah, they gave me 10,000. I started recruiting programmers, right? And they came and said, well, your website's really good, but we can't find it. Really? Oh, you need SEO. <laughs> so I took money from them and I hired the SEO department, right? And they came and said, well, it's taking so long, is it? Oh, you need Google ads. So we, now we do $3 million a month on Google ads, right? We're the top 3% partners in the whole of MENA region on Google ads. But do you see how the dots connect? I never want to, I don't know anything about IT, yeah. right? But it was because of Muhammad Ali, because of that failure, because of that opportunity, because of the social media, website, Google Ads, and then um, I realized that 40% of my clients were in the hospitality business. So when I was meeting them, the food wasn't the same all the time, yeah, and the service wasn't brilliant. Yeah. And I knew it was all about recruiting the right people, so I set up a recruitment business. Mm. 
Then I said, you need to train these people. So I started a recruitment company, uh, a training, training company, company yeah. right? And then I realized the chefs are crap, right? So I thought, you need a hospitality company, right? So I have a hospitality business. With, we employ chefs, operations managers. We set up restaurants, manage restaurants. And then I realized that most of my clients are being ripped off by their manager and the chefs because they don't, they're investors. They don't know how to handle the cash. They don't know how to handle wastage. They don't have systems. So I have an outsourced accountancy business now. So our accountants go and make sure that the restaurant owners don't get ripped off. So all that started by Muhammad Ali. Uh, yes. And so a vision. I have a shrine at reception. You notice the book in there? Yeah. It's about Muhammad Ali. He changed my life. Wow. And of course, you mentioned you attract what you, you know, when you want to make it happen. And yeah, thank you so much. That was quite a long one, but it's a very, very interesting one and makes sense. Now, I think we've been speaking for an hour and a half originally really i think so originally my episode is like 30 40 minutes but you mentioned that normally it's up for we two do episode hours. one episode two episode three for episode three you can charge people yeah, yeah. build them up to the charging bit yeah you want to know more there's a fee of 200 dirhams a month understood and um just a couple of questions uh two questions left uh what is Obviously, you build all of this, uh, which you know really makes me happy to spend intimate time with you. I'm um, on it. Thank you. What is your worst failure? I feel I let my first wife down. That's my worst failure. Because I wasn't focused on our relationship. Yes, and I let a very good friend down. That's my it's an emo emotional business. Many, but you learn from it. Like four years ago a gentleman came here with his wife and kids and i had eight hundred and fifty thousand dirhams in my pocket all to my name that's all i had at that time and he said i'm about to go to jail can you save me and they cried i wrote them a check for eight hundred thousand dirhams within they wrote me a check three months post dated and within half an hour i got a ding on my phone that they cashed my money okay they cashed my money Three months later, they came and said, thank you, I didn't go to jail because of you saved me. Three months later, I banked the check, it bounced. This January will be five years, I still haven't got my money. The lady doesn't take my call. They don't even, they've moved home. I contact him once a week, begging him for information, and he keeps dangling the carrot. Every time I look at my kids, I think, oh, your dad could have said no. You know, I could have said no and saved myself 800,000. Nobody's given me 800,000. Out of my good heart, I lend it to him. And this guy, yes, he screwed me, right? And now I'm begging him just to let me know when I can have my money, five, nearly five years. So I've taken really almost five years of my happiness. Because every time I phone him, I remind myself of that time I said, yes, maybe it's best to move on. But just something inside of me says, maybe, maybe he'll pay you. But it's a lot of money. So I had 850,000, I gave him 800,000, yes? I, I think about that mistake a lot. Uh, trusting people when I get emotional and carried away without really sitting back and thinking what could go wrong. Because mm -hmm. when you're optimist, you only see positivity, yeah. right? So it's like you have mad passionate love with someone, you get married the next day, you think, yeah. what yeah. was I thinking of, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. you know, take your time, those are the, those are the mistakes. I've made, I make mistakes every day. Uh, there, there, was, there was, I'll give you another very quick example. I don't drink alcohol. And um, I used to drink orange juice. 
and in England they don't do fr they didn't do fresh oranges. So I went to Spain. They had these machines that the orange comes in, splits, and it gives you. I'm like, this is amazing. I bought ten or twelve machines in Spain, and I took them to England to launch it in England, mm -hmm. and it took me almost a year to sell them all, and it was so hard. Nobody was interested, right? Yeah. Nobody was interested in dishing out thousands of dollars for these machines. Yeah. And it was bugging me. I was like, there must be a need because everybody's having long life orange. It tastes horrible. Everybody wants fresh. What they were saying is too expensive. They can't afford it. There's nobody asks for it. It, it takes too long to clean them. Yeah. They, may, they justified why I couldn't sell it. So after 12 months, and I'm a good salesman, I just quit. Four years later, I see these machines everywhere. Everywhere. I'm like, I'm a good salesman. Who's selling these machines, right? Yeah. So I found out who he was and I went and met him. And couple of years later he sold the business for 30 million dollars right and he said oh my god Darius thank you for inspiring me these machines because I went to the restaurant that you sold this to right and I tried getting hold of you and I couldn't so I went and bought them in space I said hang on a second I couldn't sell 12 how come you got these hundreds of things do you know what he said he said I give the machines free I sell the oranges <laughs> so right? yeah do you see I, I saw the opportunity, but I didn't think it through. I was selling one-off machines, but he was, having, he was having an income every day, forever. I guess the orange. So I said to him, would you like to give me any commission? <laughs> he went, nope. <laughs> so, so mistakes like that happen all the time. You have to learn. Yeah. So now I use that as an experience to actually say to people, forget big cash, get residual income. Mm -hmm. Make sure you get small amounts every single day. If I give you a million dollars, or $100,000 a year for the rest of your life, which one would you take? And often people say a million dollars, right? But $100,000 a year for the rest of your life really changes your life. Yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah, but you say, of course, most people take the million dollars, right? Also, I was reading that if you actually take the richest wealth of the richest people on the planet and disperse, disperse it, it to yeah. everyone, Gonna come very back. quickly, <laughs> you'll come back to the same people, yeah. Weird, isn't it? Yeah. Um, thank you so much for, for sharing that. You should have two questions. Have you regretted asking the second one now? Um, it takes too long. <laughs> Answers take too long. It's okay. Um, actually, this, is, this would be the, the final question. But before that, I want us to acknowledge you for sharing your time with me. And, you know, everybody's learning a lot. Um, even the small coaching session in between. And really becoming uh, vulnerable in, in the process. I think during your early days in iran made you the way you are right now and of course it builds up with um you know uh, lessons and failures but i think also it develops a tremendous have of courage amount of courage to really you know put that all behind and see what's lies ahead of you so for that i i thank you darish thank you so what's the question so the final question <laughs> <laughs> so the final question is I love uh, you Daniel you know that don't you yeah you yeah, feel it right yeah yeah I, w I wanted to ask first uh, where can people find you um, in social media or any uh, Darius Sudi consultancy Darius D-A-R-I-U-S-H Sudi S-O-U-D-I consultancy Facebook page LinkedIn page Instagram understood and uh, you have any social media account where they can follow you, Do you yeah Darius Sudi Darius Sudi yeah, that's my name understood so now, uh, my last and final question to you, which I ask all my guests, if everything is stripped away from you, your business, be unique group, your consultancy business, everything, your Ferrari, your net worth, if everything is stripped away, what would be your main drive to succeed? It, success is different, right? Succeed, 
financially, or success is being happy. So I think you're successful if you can put your head on that pillow and sleep at night. So, but what would be your main drive if you if it's everything stripped away from me? Your why, why you're doing what? I think if I'm teaching people how to make money, I I have to be rich. If I'm teaching people how to be happy, I have to be happy. Okay, you said you work with lots of life coaches. I asked lots of life coaches, why should you be my coach? And they get offended. Yeah. <laughs> right? They shouldn't be offended. It's a good question, yes, right? Exactly. So why should you be my personal trainer? Why should... So as long as I'm living what I'm teaching, that's success. I'm, I'm, I, lots of people, like lots of salespeople come to me and say, can you help me be a good sales consultant? I said, because you can't sell, right? If you can't close a deal, your prospect's not going to use your services to train their salespeople, yeah. right? So you have to walk your talk. Now, I like money because money is energy. Yeah. So I would very quickly build it again. As long as God give me the health, uh, I can build it again. But one thing to take away is, if you don't mind me saying, sure. is that what um, pisses me off okay, with people is that they want an extraordinary life but they don't want to give extraordinary effort, right? If you want an outstanding life, you have to be outstanding, okay? I often ask people, say, okay, write me a list of things, the reasons that you, you failed, and they blame everything and everyone, but they never write down me, right? So instead of like somebody comes for an interview and says, what's in it for me, how many holidays, what hours, what they should ask is, what will become of me in your organization? What will become of me? How would I grow? How can I, yeah? So they have to invest in themselves and the universe will pay them back many times over. So I, I think that's, that's it for today. Uh, thank you so much, Darius, for your time and see the next episode. Thank you. And if you want to do this again, I'm more than happy. Yes. If you have half a day. <laughs> much love. Thank you, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you're an expert, a coach, a consultant, a business owner, or an author or a public speaker and you're dreaming to start your own podcast, please simply go to our website at www.thedrivetosucceed.com slash webinar. This is a free podcast training webinar exactly for you. If you might want to share your knowledge, experience, expertise in the world in return to attract customers that are qualified to buy your products or services or build a community and make an impact or push your personal brand then this podcast training webinar is for you again the website is www.thedrivetosucceed.com backslash webinar just enter your details and we'll take care of the rest once again if you wanted to show your support to us please feel free to take a screenshot of this episode and share it with your friends family and loved ones and tag me on instagram at daniel underscore francisco underscore or simply tag us at the drive to succeed underscore podcast and also we have an ongoing mailing list that you can find on the same website and once again thank you so much for your support this podcast wouldn't exist without you and i promise to you to bring more valuable guests in future episodes so thank you so much see you in the next episode thanks again for joining us at the drive to succeed podcast if you're enjoying learning from this podcast you can show your support by sharing and rating this on itunes or stitcher 
and sharing it with your friends on social media and tag us on Instagram at the Drive to Succeed underscore podcast. Thank you once again for joining us. See you in the next episode.